By the help of the Lord tonight, I'm, I'm going to just speak for a little bit, and we'll see what the Lord has in store for us. I recognize the time and recognize that somebody set up the pulpit clock by about 10 minutes to try to fool me and make me believe it's later than it actually is. So I'm going to ignore this clock down here tonight. I had to bring my, had to bring my, my phone with me so I can get the right time. Because I don't want to be fooled and think I'm preaching longer than I am. Because I got a lot of preaching to do tonight. I keep preaching and I have to stop before I finish messages. Tonight's one of those nights. I think I'm just going to finish this thing. <laughs> well, we'll see. See what the Lord has for us. Second Samuel chapter 23. And I'm going to just pull from this here. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'm just, let me paraphrase. You can be seated. You've been standing and worshiping and you're hot and sweaty. I smell you up here. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's why I had you go back to your seats and then leave you up here. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Smile, folks. If somebody's not smiling next to you, lighten them up a little bit, would you? Now, David had three mighty men. And those three men, the Bible talks about them here in this text in 2 Samuel chapter 23. He had a mighty man by the name of Adino. It's kind of a cool name, I think. His name was Adino, and the Bible said that Adino, he was a bad Dude, if you've never heard of you, you guys know about a Dino. You never heard of a Dino. What's your teachers teaching you? <laughs> a Dino was a bad dude. He went out one day and had some folks come up against him. They were going to fight with him. He didn't have anything but a spear in his hand. The Bible said he killed eight hundred of them. Scared them all half to death and nobody even wanted to come mess with Adino again. I don't guess they would. And then there's another mighty man that David had. David had some guys with him. He was a pretty, he was a pretty cool dude, but David had another guy. His name was Eliezer. You ever heard of him? Eliezer was another mighty man. His, he had to be a mighty man because his dad's name was Dodo. So he, got, he became a mighty man because people would talk about his father and say, your father's a dodo, and he'd probably want to fight with him. So Eliezer, he was, a pretty, he was a pretty bad dude too. There's a little story about him. The Bible tells us about him, and he says that, the Scripture says, that Eliezer went out and began to fight and he fought until his hand began to hurt him and he kept fighting. And something happened. I guess his muscles drew or whatever. And the Bible said that the sword clave to his hand. In other words, he fought and couldn't put it down. Now, I could preach about each of these mighty men because I, it, they all represent different people in the kingdom of God. Against those that can go out with nothing but one weapon and kill 800 or another that fights until the, the sword clings to his hand and he said, I'm never going to give up this fight. 
And then there's another man, and he's the man I'm going to preach about tonight. He's another mighty man of David. And this mighty man of David, his name is Shammah. And Shammah, we pick up on 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 11. It said, after him was Shammah. He was the son. Everybody say he was a kid. He was the kid of Agi and the, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. Everybody say beans. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, he stood in the midst of the ground and fought for it, defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord got all the credit. The scripture said, and the Lord wrought a great victory. So I'm going to preach by the help of the Lord for a little bit tonight in this, Ooh, it's hot in here. We try to keep these units turned on on Sunday. And somebody had a tendency to keep turning these things off on me. I don't know. We got clocks being moved and furnaces turned on. I don't know. Lord, maybe there's devils walking in this place during Sunday afternoon. It feels like I'm pretty close to where he lives tonight up here behind all these lights. It's hot in here. Lord, have mercy. I've preached in cooler places in Texas. So by the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach, is the field worth fighting for? God, I need your help right now to preach what you have laid upon our heart. God, I pray now that every heart and mind would be focused on what you're wanting to do. And I pray, Lord, that every distraction be removed now. And Lord, that we can have your spirit and your power show up in a mighty way. And that you would do your work now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So 2 Samuel 23 tells us about David's mighty men. And these were a group of highly trained soldiers who fought with David and they aided him in his victory. So when you read about David, I know I rarely do it, but folks, I just can't handle it tonight. I'm serious. It's hot up here. So these highly trained soldiers, these mighty men, they fought with David. So when you read about David's victories and you read about all the great things that David did, it doesn't stop to tell you. This passage tells you that David had some men that fought with him. Now here's the thing. Sometimes, you know, I go to conferences and camps and places. We've been to all these conferences and camps lately. People come up and they're like, man, I'm hearing nothing but good things, man. Stuff's going on in Frankfurt, Lebanon, God's man. Man, you got it going on, all this. And the deal is, is I, I, I don't have time to start telling them, listen, it's, it's, it's not because I'm so great. But I got a big group of people that are around me working and laboring. And there's things that happens around CLC. I don't even know what's going on. I come in, you know, sometimes I will come in here and find there a group of people being here praying. I didn't call prayer meeting, but they're here praying. 
I come up, I drive up, and the yard's being mowed, or the building's being cleaned, or, or things are happening, and I, I there's just people working and laboring. I find out that evangelism teams are working, or I see something on social media that a group of people's out doing prayer drives and prayer walks, and people are inviting people and bringing people to the house of the Lord. It's because we've got some great people that are working, that are making things happen. And so David in his victories and all the things we read about him and it magnifies David but David had a group of people that were working. I believe that in these last days that God is raising up leaders that recognize that it will never, we will never accomplish the things that God wants to do if we have a mentality that it's all about the man that's honored to stand in this pulpit and be able to preach to you on Sunday and Wednesday. But if the church is going to have the revival that we're going to have, it's going to be because there's a group of people, men and women, young and old, that are sold out to an apostolic revival. And they don't care who gets the credit. All they know is, is that as long as God is receiving the glory, it's worth fighting for. And so in our text, we read about this special man. He was a mighty man. He was called out from among those. So, and, and I believe we also have some mighty men, some people that are really making a difference. I introduced and just mentioned to you a minute ago our, our, our wonderful youth directors, youth leaders, youth pastors, and, and, and we could talk about them. And I, I appreciate I, Sister Ashley up here worshiping, and, and, and she, she worships. And somebody said, well, uh, they, they were talking about somebody the other day, and somebody said, well, I saw them worship. And boy, they were really trying to impress everybody. I thank God that Sister Ashley wasn't up here trying to impress you. Because what, what you didn't see was what was going on on Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night, Friday night when we were downtown Indianapolis when the spotlight wasn't on her. She worshiped there just like she did here. And so here we, we've got some mighty men that are being described. And his name's Shema. And he, he took a stand against overwhelming odds and said, I'm not going to allow these, this field to be taken. The Bible tells us that the Philistines attacked the people of God. And when they came, that the, the people ran away except one man. So everybody else ran. But there was one man. It takes a mighty man to be able to stand. Now here is what I'm looking for tonight. David had three mighty men. My wife last week spoke to you on Sunday night about the power of multiplication and began to talk about that unlimited, infinite power that we have when we begin to unify and come together. Tonight, I'm coming back to kind of couple into what she talked to you about because I believe that God is wanting to raise up some mighty men and women that are going to fight in these last days when everybody else is running and everybody else is giving up and everybody Everybody else is throwing in the towel. I still believe that there's some mighty men that God is raising up in these last days and they're going to take a stand no matter what anybody else does. When the odds are overwhelming, they still say, I'm going to stay. I cannot kind of understand 
Verse 11 tells us it was a time of great conflict. And the Bible's very clear when it tells us about the Philistines who were attacking the people of God. It was a time of great conflict. And, and, and the enemy came against them, uh, against Israel for two reasons. First of all, the Israel wanted to, uh, the, 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 the enemy wanted to come against Israel to inflict casualties and to destroy the harvest. And the Bible, the New Testament tells us that when Satan comes, he comes for three reasons. You know what those three reasons are? The scripture says he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. His tactics are still the same as it was in the, in, in the Old Testament. When we began to read, they were coming to inflict casualties among the people of God and to destroy the harvest. If the devil can come and distract you, con- create conflict, create disunity, pull people aside, cause physical harm, whatever he can do, he's going to do. And it's not about you or who you are. It's that he really wants to create casualties among among God's people and cause people to give up and quit in the fight. And he wants to destroy the potential of the harvest. Now I want to let you in on a little secret today. The devil and the world don't mind us having good church like we're having in here tonight. The devil and the world don't care that we had 34,000 people Gathered in Lucas Oil Stadium. As a matter of fact, we didn't get any press. Very little. A few weeks earlier, they had Pride Week. I drove through downtown. There was news trucks everywhere. 34,000 apostolics in town and there was none to be seen. That tells me something. They don't care how much good church we have. The enemy doesn't care how much Holy Ghost power we have in this building. But he gets nervous when the people of God begin to unify and begin to say we're going to go out Friday and we're going to begin to knock doors and drive city streets and we're going to pass out hamburgers and hot dogs on Sunday and we're going to begin to reach out and we're going to give to the needy. Now get ready. The devil's going to raise up his ugly head. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we already know. We've read the back of the book and the scripture said that the heel already bruised the head of the serpent Jesus Christ will always win Satan's always going to attack when the people of God are working when the people of God are unified Satan's always going to attack but the deal is he's going to be attacking from a distance because the truth is is when you begin when we begin to unify and speak the name of Jesus there is nobody no devil in hell that can stand against a unified effort of the people of God I don't want to be like every church in town I don't want to be like every church that is is just because a church is growing doesn't mean a church is right. I'm not going to sell out, give up. I'm going to stand on apostolic doctrine, keep preaching separation, keep preaching the truth. But when all we're doing is preaching to save folks and shouting to save folks, 
We're not doing too much. Somebody this week made a statement. Said, I'd rather have 25 young people that are so saved and sold out and on their way to heaven than 100,000 on their way to hell. I looked at it and said, that's good. I've said that too. But if all we're doing is preaching to 25 saved folks. Because the Bible said go out in the highways and the byways and to the 100,000 that are on their way to hell and begin to compel them that we might be able to reach one of them. Come on apostolics. We've got to stand up in this last day and declare thank God I'm free. I'll dance and shout on Sunday. But on Monday I'm going to tuck my Bible under my arm. I'm going to walk back into my school or my place of work and declare Jesus is the answer. Drugs isn't the answer. Jesus is the answer. Now what the enemy found when he came was that there was no no opposition. Everybody ran. The people of God turned and ran because they were afraid. I preached on fear this morning. So they turned and ran. But one man I'm not running. This field is worth fighting for. He understood something. When we read this text, what we fail to recognize is that Israel was in the time of famine. And there was a field that was producing beans. That would sustain the people. And if the enemy could come in and trample through the field. Or another text says that while men slept. See they were good men. They sowed good seed in a good field. And it was preparing itself to produce a good harvest. But then they ignored the potential of an attack. And they went and they slept under a tree. And the scripture said that while men slept, the enemy came in and began to sow tares among the harvest. I'm going to serve the enemy notice tonight. We're in the middle of a building project. We're in the middle of starting daughter works and assisting sister works and giving to missions and working and laboring and doing, but we will not be distracted to the enemy that wants to position itself right in the middle of the field that we're working in. Just because they pose to be apostolic doesn't mean they're apostolic. Just because they act like they walk around and talk a big talk and act like they're born again, saved, sanctified, and set free doesn't mean they really are. The Bible said, know them that labor among you. The scripture said, try their spirit and see if it be of God. I come tonight against every enemy that would come in the middle of the field that God has placed Christian Life Church in to work and to labor. And they want to... 
They want to sow tares in the middle of the harvest. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord. I refuse to sleep if that's what I've got to do. But we're going to pray until we're unified to go out and reap the harvest. I feel like preaching tonight. So Shammah is here and all of his compadres ran off. And here's Shammah. The only thing between the people of God and starvation was a field of lentils. And Shammah looks at the odds of the mighty Philistine army And one Israelite named Shammah. What would you do if everybody in your school, at your workplace, turns and runs and you were the only voice for God? Are you going to join in with them when they're telling the filthy jokes? Are you going to connect with them when they're bragging about the party they're going to on Friday night? Are you going to stand against all odds and declare in the name of the Lord, I've been working in a field that is worth fighting for. And I refuse to run in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would rather die in the field fighting for this truth than to run with a bunch of cowards. Shammah knew that some things were worth fighting for. I suggest to you tonight that there are some things that are worth fighting for. And if you think we're not in a spiritual battle, ladies and gentlemen, you need to open your eyes. I walked through the middle of town last night. I didn't say too much because I didn't want to cause a scene. But I'm going to tell you, I walked through our, through our square last night. There was a little event going on downtown. And I walked through downtown. And I spoke to a few people and talked to a few people. But I'm telling you, there was some spirits on the loose. Spiritual wickedness in high places. I don't know if anybody, we didn't even talk about it, but I don't know. I just walked on by some places and I wasn't praying out loud, but there were some prayers that was rolling under my breath. I walked through and made eye contact with two or three people that wasn't real happy about me being there. I know some of you I know some of you disconnecting from the train right now because you don't believe in spiritual warfare. 
That's all right. Go go home. Get out your remote and flip some channels and go and do whatever you need to do. But I'm telling you that there is a warfare that is going on, not just in our city and not just in our region. But there is a worldwide spiritual warfare. And if the I feel the Holy Ghost, because God has already given us the key to the city, He's already given us spiritual dominion. He's already given us spiritual authority. I come tonight in the name of the Lord. I know what faces us this next week. I already know. But in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be defeated. Oh, come on, lift your hands right where you are. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every stronghold come down. Let the anointing break the yoke right now. In the name of Jesus, let it be broken. Let it be cast down. In Jesus' name, by the word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus, let it be destroyed in Jesus' name. I've got to finish this tonight because the Lord put a strong word in my spirit. I know I could stop preaching right now and God's going to inspire some of you. He's going to move on some of you. We're going to walk out of here tonight. And we're going to go to war in prayer. The people of God are going to be united to work together like we never have. I am more committed to this truth and this gospel. Because there's some things that are worth fighting for. For 40 years, things seem to be going pretty good. Shoes never wore out. Fresh manna every morning. Water flowing from a rock. Life was good. And it was easy for them. There was a promise that God had given them. Just like He gave us a promise. He gave us authority over Our region, multiple prophecies came forth. If you've been where I've been the last two weeks and understood some of the messages that's been preached. I wondered why I was where I was Wednesday night at camp meeting when Brother Aaron Bounds got up and began to preach. My wife was beating my arm till it was black and blue. My Lord, are you hearing this? My Lord, this is what's being preached in our church. This is what's going on in our church. I'm sitting there. I know I'm there. Do you hear what he's saying? Yes, I'm deaf, but I can hear. And then we get to the end of the message. I didn't even know Aaron Bounds knew who I was. I hear somebody yell, Brother Jordan! I'm praying. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Brother Jordan. Open my eyes. It's Brother Bounce. Come up here. 
I walked up on the stage. I didn't know he even knew who I was. He's closing his message preaching. He kept putting the microphone down. He would turn around and look at me and he was yelling stuff to me. Those of you there probably saw what was going on. And he turned to me. and Began to yell some things personally to me. Began to tell me. Don't let them talk you into stopping. You just keep on preaching. He preached on a minute, stopped, put his microphone down. He said, what you're doing is right. He didn't know that a week or two weeks before, I sat in my living room late one night, looking at my wife saying, I'm questioning everything. I'm questioning if I'm doing right. I'm questioning if we're doing the right thing. Are we going the right direction? Is it worth the battle? I'm going to be honest. She got mad at me. She said, you stop it. You got three boys. Look at everything God's doing in their life. Got a group of people that believe in what you're doing. Got a group of people that's behind you and supporting you. That's not what I wanted to hear. I was looking for Job's comforter. I wanted her to tell me, curse God and die. I was down. I show up to camp meeting on Wednesday night. And Brother Aaron Bounds called me out. Preached a whole message to me. I'm sitting out there like, holy cow. Nobody else in the room but me. Preaches the whole message to me. Finishes the message. Calls me on the platform. Calls me out. Turned around. And he said, now you're coming to impart faith. To this congregation. You weren't in my living room Friday night. You don't want this faith imparted to anybody. And I picked up that microphone. And I'm repenting the whole time. God forgive me. Lord I got to impart faith. I don't even have it. And the word of the Lord said, you are a conduit, not a pond. I picked up that microphone. I felt the Shekinah glory of God begin to flow down through me. I have no idea what I prayed or what I said. But all I know is there was an anointing begin to flow through me. Begin to flow through me as I prayed. It imparted faith to that congregation. I put that microphone down and walked down in the, into the, back down into the congregation, began to pray for the, for people. And the Lord began to speak to me. And He said, now go back and quit trying to contain it all within yourself. I'm going to give it to you when you need it. Don't you live expecting me to give you more than what you need. But the moment that it needs to flow out of you, I'm going to pour it into you. And it's going to flow through you. I'm coming tonight to tell some of you that you are a shamma. You got to get up in 
in the field and fight for the beans. And you got to decide, hey, I don't feel like I got the ability. But the word of the Lord comes tonight telling you that when you start fighting, he's going to give you the ability to do what you could not do until you make up your mind to stand in the field and fight. I know I want to finish this, but I got to hurry. I'm trying to please everybody now. The issue is, is that the Lord had already promised Israel, this land is yours. Matter of fact, I believe his name is Abraham that received. Now, Moses is trying to lead a bunch of murmuring people. Because they thought they had it better where they were. Before they were delivered. For the life of me, I will never understand how somebody thinks. That a life of bondage in sin is better than the struggles of obtaining your promise. And so Moses dies and a new leader is appointed and called to God. and He steps up and they get in to the promised land. It was promised to them. It was theirs. God gave it to them. But the Lord has never, ever chosen a group of people to be babies. Helpless. Cowards. That would turn and run. It's always been Shammas that'll stand in a field and fight over the existence of his people. It wasn't just beans he was fighting for. It was for their very existence. Sometimes people misunderstand why we take a stand the way we stand. Because sometimes it's not what it appears that we're fighting for that we're really fighting for. I told this church 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago, when I became the pastor of this congregation, I want my kids to grow up experiencing the things that I grew up experiencing. Sometimes what we're fighting for is a promise. Because they get to the edge of the promise. Woohoo, he parted waters, they're now standing in the promised land. And the Lord said, oh yeah, it's all yours. Wherever your foot goes to, it's all yours. I'm giving it to you. And we get up and want to shout on Sunday night over the victory that God gives us. So y'all liked it a few minutes ago. But now you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. The Lord gave it to them, but then he said, but there's giants in the land and you've got to go in and you've got to dispossess the land. See, we want to possess the land, but we don't want to dispossess the land. 
Because to possess the land means I'm going to take ownership. But to dispossess the land means i got to fight an enemy. For what God has already given me. If you give up because of the fight, you don't care anything about the promise. You just want it to be handed to you and spoon fed and get upset over every little thing. But I come to you in the name of the Lord tonight to tell you that your promise may be one battle away. But you got to get up and make up your mind that I'm going to fight. I would rather die fighting for this promise. I would rather fight for this promise and die in the process than throw in the towel and get up and die wanting to be spoon-fed. There's some things that are worth fighting for. I know some of you get weary in the fight. I know some of you get weary. I'm going to give you a little little story tonight about old warfare. I'm closing. I'm closing. All right? You guys good? Y'all ready for me to close? It's all right. It's all right. You can stay here. It's all right. It's hot in here. You're right. You're hot in here, but you're kind of liking this, aren't you? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> he's honest. Thank God for honesty. But you're loving it, aren't you? Yeah, he's loving it. His dad's a preacher. <laughs> In old times of war, they say what gets soldiers is not the fight. It's not the battle. It's the weariness and the boredom of the day-to-day. Getting up every day, cleaning the weapon, oiling the weapon, polishing the shoes, getting the uniform on. And I don't get to pull the trigger. They dig in, prepare for the night. And what happens is the boredom of day to day to day, the troops lose the morale. And so they need to be inspired. And the worst thing in the world is when the morale is low and the boredom and the weariness is set in and an, and an enemy comes in and attacks at those moments because they are not prepared for it. Now I know we just came out of North American Youth Congress. A big portion of this church, half of the people in this room tonight at least were there and you come home all charged up on this Sunday night. But maybe not everybody came home all charged up. Somebody had to stay home and work and they couldn't get there and didn't have a way or didn't have the money to get a ticket to get there. You show up and now you're weary and you're tired and and it just seems like the same old, same old. But the old colonel would come into the troops and he would get the flag 
And he would come before them with a flag. And he would begin to remind them of the thing that they're fighting for. And he'd walk around with the flag, and you'll see the pictures when they write the when you they 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 have the description of the old colonels in front of the troops, and he'd walk around with the flag because he was trying to inspire them to not give up, to remember what they're fighting for. I want to remind some of you tonight in a very simple way that if you are not careful in the middle of the day-to-day boredom of life, you will forget That the only way you're going to ever win this battle. Is you can't let the devil get a hold of your prayer life. You can't let business get a hold of your prayer life. Come on, come up here with me, Marissa. Grab a hold of this thing. I want you just to walk across here a little bit and carry it because I, I got to preach to you, Marissa, and tell you that the only thing that's going to keep you is going to be your prayer life. It's going to be what keeps you when the enemy comes. It's going to be what keeps you when temptation comes. It's going to be what keeps you when everybody else turns and runs. It's going to be your prayer life. They're throwing in the towel. They're preaching different doctrines. But I came tonight to remind somebody that there are some fields that are worth fighting for. Come on, we got to stand for truth in this evil day. I won't go into details, but one of our renowned churches, very close to here, just a few weeks ago, had a lady come in, disrupt their Sunday night service, begin to scream at the pastor because he's preaching the truth, begin to scream at him. The ushers had to take them out. Law authorities had to come and haul her off because of her disruption. And she was saying, stop preaching your lie. He's not preaching a lie. He's preaching the truth. I know it may have been Indianapolis, but I come tonight to tell you that the truth is under attack. we got to have some young people, some men and women that make up their mind that I'm going to hold the banner of truth. Come on, Nate. Grab the banner of truth and keep carrying it. Keep carrying it. It's going to be all that is going to get you through in these last days. I don't have time to go through all these banners I have tonight. But there's some people in the room tonight. Come on, somebody come grab this banner of vision. We've been preaching growth, soul winning, evangelism. Come on up here, Spencer. You got this vision. See, I got to tell you something. Not everybody's going to rejoice with your vision. Not everybody's going to believe in your vision. Some people's going to question your vision. Some people's going to say you're just a pipe dreamer. But I come tonight to tell you, in the name of the Lord, keep your vision. Keep dreaming. Keep believing God. 
Stay up here with me. Where you at, Cameron? Get over here. Where you at, Cameron? Run up here where you are. Sunday, uh, Friday night, Spencer walked over to me. He said, Dad, the Lord just spoke to me and said he's going to give us a hundred soul revival. I praised God with him, took about 10 steps, turned the corner into the aisle. Cameron walked up to me, said, Pastor, the Lord just spoke to me and said he's going to give us a hundred soul revival. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If we're going to have a hundred soul revival, there's going to be some people that are going to have to sell out to evangelism and say, I'll do it. Nobody else wants to go. I'll go knock a door. I'm going to tell them why this is important. This afternoon, my wife was speaking in Lebanon. A text came through. Bing, 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 bing. I didn't turn it on the ring, off ringer. I grabbed it, turned it, looked up at it. Cameron said, Pastor, I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do, but I'm supposed to be doing something. I need you to tell me how to get plugged in. I'm going to tell you, Cameron, right here in front of the whole congregation, here's how it's going to be. Here's how your ministry is going to be started. It's going to be started right here. It's going to be started one soul at a time, one Bible study at a time. Come on, go rally some troops over evangelism. Come on, flag wavers. Go wave that flag. Come on, go down the side aisles. See if you can get some elders that want to join in a prayer line with you, want to be part of evangelism with you. Come on, where's my worshipers in the house? Where's my worshipers in the house? Let me tell you how it's going to happen in these last days. Worship is worth fighting for. You can plug your ears if you want to plug your ears. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be worship, worship, worship. Come on, somebody, come get this flag. Come get this flag of purpose. It's not about what I feel like I need to do, but this flag of purpose. Where's Isaac? Where's Isaac? I know some of you think it's all hype. I heard somebody the other day, the wind came blowing back my direction, said everything happening down at CLC is just a bunch of hype. Come on and hype it up, brother. We're going to hype it up all we can hype it up. If it's to the glory of God. Come on, is the field worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting for? Is your prayer life worth fighting for? Is worship worth fighting for? Come on, I dare somebody. I dare somebody tonight to make up in your mind. I'm tired of sitting on the sideline. I'm tired of running with the crowd. I'll be a shema. I'll get in the middle of the bean field and fight because the field is worth fighting for. (laughs) 
If you're going to conquer Canaan, you're going to have to fight for it. He's already promised us. He's promised us revival. For those of you that's going to doubt what I'm about to tell you, you just have to come and see it on my phone to understand it. I was sitting on the second row from the platform. I'm a 49-year-old kid. I got to be down where the action's happening. I was sitting right. If you think it was loud where you were, we were sitting right in front of a whole line of subs. Every time they'd kick that drum, I'd feel my feet come off the floor. The preacher's preaching. And I'm talking to the Lord the whole time. I'm taking notes and writing as fast as I can everything God's speaking to me that the preacher's not saying. I'm just, man, I'm going to town. The Lord's talking to me. I'm, I'm, I'm writing it down fast as I can because I can't remember very long. I'm in the middle of it and the Lord's talking to me. All of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Ghost just move over me. And the Lord said, what is your vision? I said, Lord, I'm believing you for a 50-soul revival. And the Lord said, double it. Now, the two guys that came and said the Lord spoke a hundred soul revival to them. I just picked up my phone. I said, you're going to see it for yourself. Because when I tell the church about it, they're not going to believe me. But the Lord asked me what my vision was and I wrote it down. It was 50. And the Lord said, double it. And the Lord confirmed it within three minutes with two young Holy Ghost filled men that are sold out to the gospel. And I said, God, how is it going to be possible? And the Lord said, I'm raising up some mighty men and women. You can't do it by yourself. But you're going to be able to do it with the mighty men that God is raising up. Come on, do I have a Shema in the house? Do I have some people in the house that said to everybody else, they're going to think it's just a bunch of beans, but I'm going out here because God said it's my survival. It's the future. Come on, if that's you right now, and you know I preach to you, and you know God's put it in your spirit right now, I want you to throw both hands in the air, and I want you to commit it to the Lord. God, I'm going to be at every opportunity I have to engage myself in evangelism, to get a hold of this vision. I'm going to come to every service with a purpose in mind of worshiping like I've never worshiped. Come on, I'm going to increase my prayer life. Come on, have I preached to anybody tonight? Is there anybody making it made up their mind? I see two or three of you about to get a breakthrough right now. Come on, ministers. Why don't you find somebody to lay hands on right now? God is raising up some mighty men and women for the kingdom of God. The revival that we have experienced so far 
is only a foretaste of what is coming. It's just the beginning. There are greater things ahead. Come on, start expecting him to do more than he's ever done. God's put in your life. What are you going to do with what God spoke into your life? This is the way that we find. We're praising for the victory. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. For we're praising for the victory.
All right, here's what I'm going to do now. Don't stop. If you're praying, continue. But I feel, I feel led to, to do this tonight. There's a lot of you in the room that sincerely want to do something for the Lord. But you lack the courage to take the first step and begin to do it because you're not in an environment that yields itself to it coming easy. Or maybe you don't have the personality that yields itself to it happening easy. I feel to impart faith and courage to you tonight. If you're in the room, I'm not speaking to everybody. There's a handful of you I am talking to tonight. But you have a mission that God is putting you on a mission. I want to anoint you with oil tonight in the name of the Lord and send you forth out of this building with a brand new courage and brand new purpose to do more than you've ever done to impact your city. To impact your neighborhood. I know I'm not speaking to everybody, but if it's you, I want you to come forward right now. God's going to give you courage to take the first step. It's courage. He's going to give you faith. He's going to give you courage. Guys, I want you to step back here just for a minute, if you would. Make room for these. It's going to come up here. Come on, we have some guests that need to come too. Come on up here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God wants to impart some faith and courage to you tonight. I don't have the time to tell you everything that God has spoken to me over the last few months and last few years, but there's some things that's going to go out of here tonight that's going to revolutionize a few folks in this room. You're going to walk out of here with a brand new courage to go and fight like you've never fought because you understand it's for your very own existence. Either you're going to have the courage to go and fight or you're going to turn and run and you're going to starve to death. Now I could come grab you by the arm, pull you up here. I don't want to do it that way tonight. I want you to come because I want to lay hands on you and anoint you with oil tonight. And you're going to walk out of here with faith and courage to do more than you have ever done. It's just a handful of you tonight. I'm going to ask my elders to help me right now all over the building. All over the building, I want you to lift your hands. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. This is a serious moment right now. This is a serious moment for a few people tonight. It's a very serious moment for a few people. If you're desperate, if you're desperate and you need the courage to go do what God is calling you to do, there's a lot of distractors right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, you know who you are. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want everybody in the building to lift your voice and begin to pray right now. In the name of the Lord, right now. God.